welcome back to another episode of It Was All a Stream. I am your co-host, Chris Sachs, alongside my cousin, Neil Carroll. Welcome back, everybody. Well, it's the end of our Mandalorian rewatch. Yes. But a new beginning, because next week we are going to get new episodes in season two i cannot wait i guess technically this week friday very true, very true. Friday. Now are, are they spacing them out or are they gonna oh, be, yeah. drop them and bin spaced out you get an episode a week i'm good with that oh yeah, yeah. Well, and it'll be perfect for us because we're going to be able to break it down every every week we'll be able to break down each episode that comes out that way we could kind of you know take our time with it make sure we can really do some deep dives and really get into the nitty-gritty with all of it absolutely well now is as good a time as ever to get right into it we watched chapters seven and eight the penultimate episode of season one and the season finale um and things got real so again, I think what we'll do is I'm going to use like all, all good students should the Wikipedia summaries of oh, the episodes yeah. and we'll kind of stop as we go along to discuss what's going on. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Chapter seven, The Reckoning. The Mandalorian receives a message from Grief Karga, who's town on Navarro has been overrun by imperial troops led by the client. Karga proposes that the Mandalorian use the child as bait in order to kill the client and free the town. In return, Karga will square things away with the guild, which would allow the Mandalorian and the child to live in peace. Sensing a trap, the Mandalorian recruits Cara Dune and Quill to assist him and Quill brings a rebuilt and reprogrammed IG-11 to help protect the child. They meet Karga and his associates, quote-unquote, but are attacked by flying creatures during the journey to the town. When they're attacked by the creatures, Karga is injured, but the child uses the force to heal his wound. Let's pause right there, because we got a lot going on. We got a lot going on. So first, we get our first taste of um the ig unit as the going from the bounty hunter unit to the like nursing unit correct which was a very interesting move but is that something that like is there any history of those being able to be reprogrammed because it seemed as though they were at least the mandalorian was very shocked with this i mean then again he is, is super distrusting of droids in general but and we kind of get that story in the next the last episode mm-hmm. um, but no man th- these things were bred for a single purpose made for a single purpose and for for as much as the prequel movies upset a lot of people they they showed us like the droids being made the process on geonosis the the separatist droids the uh, trade federation droids and all that stuff so you know we're used to c-3po and r2d2 kind of having souls and being 
characters as opposed to just mindless automatons that mm -hmm. travel through these movies. But so IG-88 is another, you know, another installment where this thing can be reprogrammed, can be used for a purpose and has a great, has a great scene, but you know, we have to wait till next episode, but has a great scene. That's right. That's right. And really the, the biggest portion of this, other than we get our, our um, fun cast of characters back again with Kara Dune and, and Grief Karga and Queel, um, the biggest thing for me was that we finally see the first time that the force is used to heal somebody. And it, it's a callback to, I believe the second episode when um, Mando is kind of patching up his shoulder and you see Yoda's trying to reach out to it and he just chews him away. Um, but this time Yoda gets to do his, use his healing powers and, I would love for you to dive into this a little bit more because obviously this is the first time that this has happened, correct? It is. And then they use it in the final Star Wars movie. So this Yes, to an extreme. Yeah, to an extreme. And I think it's a bad idea. Like I'm in the bag for Star Wars. They've got me. Whatever they do, they're going to get my money. I'm going to watch the movies. I'm going to watch the shows. But I, it's... You, you can't have all the power in the world. Like there's got to be limits on what you can. And the whole mm -hmm. thing is like, that's why Sith are Sith. They want to go beyond the limits of what's reasonable and, and, and logical. Right. But I just don't like this as a, as a plot tool. I don't like it as a, as a new power in the movies and the franchise. Um, in the last film, they use it, the Rise of Skywalker, like you said, they use it to an extreme, almost to the point where it kind of undoes the power of that person getting hurt in the first place. And in this show, baby Yoda, you know, young, he's got the, there's an aging situation that we talked about in early episodes mm -hmm. uh, with Yoda species. Okay. All well and good. So I'm willing to believe that a child of, of whatever that young age that Yoda's supposed to be would recognize that someone's in pain and want to reach out to them and yeah. stop the pain. Um, I could see it if they, like, you know, he reached out and numbed the pain or gave them some kind of force, like, you know, I'm going to take the pain away. But to heal, it just, it only works if Yoda's the only one that's able to do it, and that's how their species lasts as long as they do. That, that could potentially be it. See, in my mind, I feel like... So, the main thing about the Force is that, at least my, you know, takeaway with it is that it's all about balance, right? Good yeah. side, bad side, everything is about balance. Correct. So, if there is a situation where you have someone force healing somebody for instance there should be some sort of cost to that yeah. to balance it out and that's where i could see it working so like weirdly enough in in rise of skywalker it works I, I mean it doesn't work because the whole thing's just convoluted to begin with but the one portion of it that they got right is that 
it balances itself out because one person is losing their life and the other person basically force gives their life to them. And so there was a cost to that. And therefore there was still balance, even though it was an extreme use of the force. So like in that case, I'm like, okay, I can see the logic and the reasoning behind it. There's no cost to Yoda healing. Now, maybe it's such an insignificant thing to heal a wound, but then again, you know, the wound that Grief Karga gets did poison him as well, and he would have died. Fatal wound, right. So, I mean, there was a lot to that scene because I was, it's, we get kind of our first set of flying monsters other than the Minoc from the Star Wars movies, which I thought were cool. And I was like, oh, this must be, might be a version of them. The Minoc were the things that were attaching themselves to the mm-hmm. uh, Millennium Falcon and the, right. and the space slugs stomach. These just look like pterodactyls to me, like Basically dragon pterodactyls. Right. So fun, like fun scene, interesting scene, a lot of action. He gets poisoned. But that, like that was the one part of the series where I was like, this might be a bridge too far because I can see where they're going to go with this. And it's not a helpful, like if you just had the power to just be healthy all the time and be impervious to harm, come on. And that's the whole point of having the Mandalorian's like armor, that Beskar steel where he's getting shot at close range and he's bouncing off right. you know, the laser shots, but not everybody has that. So that's what, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, and you have to work to get it. It's not, oh, I'm born with these powers or I have this stuff and that. So it just, that, that upset me. I didn't like that. It's now going to work itself into the films and beyond. Um, You know, this just didn't, didn't do it. Didn't, I didn't like that, but the penultimate episode in keeping with shows like uh, game of Thrones, I think this was probably the better episode of the two, two great episodes we're going to talk about tonight, but I love the penultimate. Yeah. This was, this was really good because you get a, a nice, kind of a little bit of a twist at the end and and you get a, a a death that was impactful so we'll yeah. we'll continue on so in return for having his wound healed karga kills his associates and confesses that the original plan was to shoot the mandalorian and take the child to the client himself i don't know how that was going to work with Mando wearing all that body armor, even if you shot yep. him in the back, but that was his his plan. Karga pretends that Dune was cap has captured the Mandalorian, while Quill returns the child to the ship. During the meeting, Moff Gideon's troops open fire on the building and kill the client and his bodyguards, trapping the Mandalorian, Grief Karga, and Cara Dune inside. Gideon arrives, demanding the child. And then in the desert, two scout troopers intercept the Mandalorian's communications and track Quill, killing him before he can reach the ship and taking the child. Very powerful. Very powerful. So I was a little upset because I thought Quill was a good character. I kind of thought we'd revisit him a few times throughout the series. How long did Nick Nolte really want to voice, even though he barely had to do any work doing some voice acting? How long was he actually going to do that? That's true. You weren't going to get Nolte for a while. No. But that was an excellent, excellent scene. Powerful moment. 
and uh, the appearance of Moff Gideon, the El Pollo Loco guy, or what, what is what is he from? Uh, <laughs> from um, Breaking Bad. I can't think of the name. Oh before. my gosh, it's a uh, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito, excellent actor. Um, had a, has a career that has taken him from uh, do the right thing all the way to mm-hmm. space with Star Wars. Just a really cool, interesting character actor and can do a lot. And just the, a side note on him too is is the fact that you know in recent year, the past decade, he's really stayed within that that box of the like serious hyper intelligent like calm type of character right he did it in breaking bad he's doing it in the mandalorian he's doing it in the boys you know he kind of does a little bit he pulls out of that same bag but then you look at do the right thing and how wildly different that character was when I first saw do the right thing. I didn't even uh, it, for a second. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's El Pollo Loco. That's Gustav Fring. Like I cannot believe that. Um, it, pretty, pretty wild how he could, you know, turn into that type of actor is just uh pretty impressive pretty impressive i wonder if he'll ever go back to anything more kind of amped up yeah, than what he's been he's been on like he's been uh, more i don't want to say sedated because i don't want to make it seem like he's not doing a good job he's doing a great job he's just very like even keeled and that's what makes some of what he's doing all the more terrifying the fact that he's so calm about doing horrible things oh yes yeah Absolutely. Absolutely. But excellent, excellent. His appearance uh, now gets us off and running. And he's also going to have the big shock moment um, in the series before it's all over. Now, a bit of trivia for you going into the finale. Mm-hmm. The, two, um, the two scout troopers that capture Baby Yoda... They are both actually cameos. Who are the two actors that are playing those scout troopers? I know the one. I can't. You know, think I don't one. know if you know the other one because yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen much that he's been in. I know Jason Sudeikis is one. Yes, Jason Sudeikis yeah. is the the one who's telling him you just want to see him. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> you're not checking on him. The other one is Adam Pally. Um, he is probably most famous for uh, the TV show that he was in, Happy Endings, okay. um, which is a great TV show, and he is very funny. Um, that was in a line, in the line of trivia about uh, stormtrooper cameos. Can you name two others from the film franchise? The last three movies. Oh, I mean, there's been. I think there's been a good amount of them. Um, I know Daniel Craig was the uh, in Force Awakens. He's the one that um, gets like mind controlled by Ray. Um, And then who are some others? The other. So one was a stormtrooper and then correction. 
One was the voice of an X-Wing pilot. The voice of an X-Wing pilot. Also in Force Awakens. I don't know. Who? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. Okay, here's one for you. Go ahead. I feel like you'll know this. We're, now we're just going to play trivia for the next hour. <laughs> um, who did the voice of BB-8? Oh. Uh, I did know this at one time. Oh, man. I don't know. What it's it's not like it wasn't Taika because Taika does. IP. No, it was not Taika. Uh, he was. What's that? Was it Mark Hamill? No, he was on Saturday Night Live. Oh, was it Colby Smolder's husband? No, no, oh. it was Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Yes, uh, Bill Hader did the original like weird noises for for nice. BB-8. Nice. That he, I guess he was buddies with J.J. Uh, Abrams and he had him do them at least for the first movie. Everybody wants in on Star Wars. <clears throat> All right. Enough let's of get- trivia. Let's get, let's get into the finale. So IG-11 rescues the child from the scout troopers. Uh, Gideon warns Grief Karga, Cara Dune, and Mando that they face certain death unless they agree to assist him. IG-11 arrives and breaks the standoff but moff gideon injures mando the child uses the force to deflect an attacking stormtroopers flamethrower back on him mando sends the others through a sewer gate with the child to find help from the mandalorian enclave while ig-11 removes his helmet to tend to a head injury this was a big moment because again as we know with Mandalorian lore, they cannot remove their helmets to any living being. It is interesting. IG-11 says, I'm not living, so you can remove your helmet. And obviously that's a technicality, but still for, for Mando to do a complete 180 and entrust such a big moment with a droid... Right. Was a huge change for him. It also shows how great a job they're doing in this show because that, what you just described, no one should care about. Like, it's, you know, oh, he's taking Absolutely. this off to a droid, blah, 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 blah. Okay, next scene. But they've done such a great job of building up a moment like that where it's like, oh, of course, why would he do that? He hates droids and they were, you know, murderers and all this terrible stuff and blah, blah, blah. And then, and he can't do this because that's not the way. So when that moment does happen, it is powerful, even though there's really only one actor on scene. Right. And it's the first time we've ever seen his face on screen so far for eight episodes. And I hope they keep it that way. Like, don't. I'm sure they will. I think that's. I'm sure they'll keep it. But also, Yoda deflecting the flamethrower. Great. That was an awesome moment. But also something that I buy. I'm like, okay, I get that. He puts up like a kind of a wall of like, and it blocks flames. The thing I don't like. And he pushes it back on him. Pushes it back. The thing I don't like is, um, again, from the the latest films, halting a blaster beam in mid air. You know, um, Kylo Ren does that, and it's like, I, oh, I think that's that's like, awesome. 
Well, I mean, it looks and then it's, it looks awesome. I but, think no, you no. could if if I'm trying to reason why that's okay. Mm. I would say it's because again, you think about a force push, right? And yeah. how easy it is to force push somebody. Yeah. Well, if you have a blaster, that's coming at so much more force that when you try to force push it, it's not going to immediately bounce back. So it's the force push and the blaster are like fighting against each other. I, I get it. But the way I look at it is like, it's a wave of energy, like an ocean wave. That's and fair. When, when you stand there, sometimes it blows you back. Sometimes it crashes around you. That's the way I look at it. All right. I'm just going to pause one moment. I have to kill a spider. How big is the spider? Big enough. You're a child. Bad news. I didn't oh get god. it. Oh my god. Bad I waited news. too long. You were going on for way too long. And, and oh, I, oh yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you. Yeah. Now you've just to let you finish your point. Now it's just out there, pissed off. Oh yeah, it's 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 gonna come back to get me. God. All right charging ahead we were moving to episode eight the final episode yes 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 so mando now gets healed by ig11 um what what is it what is that substance that he uses to heal him something like some sort of spray yeah i forget the aerosol material i forget the title i forget the title too has that been used before that was a new one too that i think was a new one. that was a new one um anyways so joining the others the mandalorian finds the covert group of of other mandalorians dead or escaped except for the armorer she tasks him to care for the foundling child like his own so baby yoda discover its origins, and return it to its kind. The armorer fashions a man- the Mandalorian his own signet and gives him a jetpack. The group is ferried down an underground lava river, but when they are ambushed by stormtroopers, IG-11 self-destructs to eliminate the em- enemy, sacrificing himself. So again, a lot happening here what was most interesting to me is the fact that, you know, the, the man, that group of Mandalorians, they have very specific rules. And one of them is when you have a foundling, you must either raise that foundling as your own, or you need to find its family or its people and return the foundling to them. And now that's what Mando has to do. Which Again, it's awesome. It's a nice touch because you've got all these basically mercenaries, these people that should not have a conscience, but part of their underlying mission is basically they're the galaxy's orphanage. They take in, doesn't matter what species, what race, what anything like that, they, they'll take you in and you can become, you know, a Mandalorian. You can become a, you know, one of them. So I like that idea. The scene of IG uh, leaping into the like lava pool. I yes. found so a couple things there. One, the 
it didn't strike me as necessary that something would just go in that straight line at like hundred yards to get in and out of there. But you know, all well and good. Maybe it's a shipping lane or something. The droids that run that, that like push it along. Yes. You know, c- covered in magma and rock and all mm-hmm. that broke out to, to continue on their mission. Also interesting. But when he jumps in and pulls them along, reminds me of a scene from a movie called Dante's Peak. Okay. Where something very similar happens. It's a volcano movie. Uh, back when we were getting movies like that in in two, you know, we had Deep Impact, we had Dante's Peak, <laughs> right. we had Armageddon and uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact, and then we had Volcano and Dante's Peak. Right, 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 right. Volcanoes. Um, but and they were awesome. Like you're, you're, the twofers were always good, and it was usually the second one that came out that was better. Dante's Peak was better. Um, something you should definitely check out. But like it turned the water to kind of a a lava-like acid nature and someone had to pull them along. So it was, it was strong. It just, that reminded me of that scene. It's got Pierce Brosnan in it, one of the better bonds. Yes, yes. Um, so I love that. And it, it kind of, it takes care of him. He is, we're done with IG. Bye-bye IG for now. There's other IG-11 units. So there could always be, Taika could always return. Um, and I'm sure he'll be directing some of the uh, the new season. Definitely. Um, but yeah, we get the the big moment where he he sacrifices himself and really probably solidifies that turn for Mando's opinion on droids. Um, obviously, given his history, this the summary doesn't really dive into the history that we find out where it was really just the the Empire droids that attack Mando's planet. He wasn't originally. Um, Obviously, he wasn't from um, the Mandalorian planet. He was right. he was a foundling, um, and there were droids that attacked him, and Mandalorians came and saved him. I'd be interested to know why they did that and what about his town and his planet, a little bit more of his background, like why you know that was somewhere that the Mandalorians decide to save them. Um, and go against the empire so that well, could be yeah. interesting to dive into next season but it's not the empire because so that flashback takes us back to droids that we've seen so that that happens during the that's, prequel time yes sorry that's prior to the empire right so just that's prior, prior to, to the empire. empire um it's like separatist stuff it's it's mm-hmm. almost um uh like trade federation droid type things and the Mandalorians have a history of not liking authority or not being forced, having another planet bent to their will. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like that idea. So closing the episode, Moff Gideon attacks the, the group in his TIE fighter. Yes. And the Mandalorian uses his jetpack to bring the craft down. But Moff Gideon survives and cuts himself out of the ship Yes, his dark saber. The dark saber, one of the elements they bring out of the cartoon universe. So the dark saber, born in the cartoon universe, staunchly and deeply steeped in Mandalorian lore. Uh, their people searched for this. They 
have a, a force sensitivity. Mandalorians and, do? Well, you know, yes, they're not force users, but they're the people you call to attack force users. Okay. People that can deal with Jedi's. Got it. So that's their that's their thing, kind of. Okay. Um, you know, they're quick. They're you know, lightning fast. They react well. So they kind of deal with uh, Jedi's and Sith and all that. The dark saber. Oh. So I just I can't wait to see what they're like. What how they're going to work this in because this might take us back to a Mandalorian homeworld because that's one of the artifacts along with the mask of Mandalore, if you still count the books, which are really no longer mm -hmm. um, canon. Like there's a few artifacts that they're all searching the galaxy for at one time or another. So okay. I'm curious if they bring that back. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they're doing. I think this is a good segue into doing a bit of a preview Talk. for for season two. Kind of what are we expecting? Just from kind of certain things that we've seen, certain trailers from kind of feeding into what we just watched this season. What are we looking forward to and hoping to find out? Um, Give me a little bit. What are, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts? So I, I like what they're doing so far. I also like that um, we're continuing on with the gunslinger motif. Um, we've added a cape this year. Yes. Uh, it's an interesting high plains drifter kind of Western situation that I like. Yoda, still a child. So, uh, you know, it's not like the, it's not like baby Groot where we had baby Groot, it was adorable. And then in the next movie, we've got teenage Groot or at the end of that movie, right. you get- like, It will still be baby Yoda. They can't, they can't get rid of the cash cow like that. that. So there you go. So now that they can't get rid of the cash cow, that's the only thing that gives me pause for the series. Cause how long, what are we gonna do? Like how, how much longer can you keep them baby Yoda? Right. And are we ignoring you know, that actual Yoda was 900 years old. How does that work? Like we talked about that. I don't, I don't like, you know, go back to earlier episodes, people, and hear our opinion on the aging process. I also like that we've got uh, Tusken Raiders again, and that we've got a grizzled and gray Carl Weathers coming back. Yep. Cara Dune we get back as well. Cara Dune. Well, we knew we were going to have to get Cara Dune back. You need a strong female character. Well, funny that we mention because we also rosario dawson was cast for season two and it's pretty certain I, I don't know if it was confirmed but it's all but confirmed that she is playing ahsoka tano so. from the clone wars animated series so get i haven't watched the Clone Wars animated series. So give me a little bit of background on her and why this is a big deal. This is a big deal because she would be the most direct connection you would get to the film universe. And the reason, what I mean by that is she was the like half-ass Padawan of mm -hmm. Anakin in this show. So in the movies, you get the Clone Wars Anakin is uh, Hayden Christensen. He's older. He's probably in his teens or early 20s. And 
he's the Padawan still of Obi-Wan. He's upset that they're not giving him power and things on his own. Cut to the Clone Wars TV show. They make it seem like the Clone Wars last several years, you know, between the movie, the Clone Wars and Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. So there's several years of fighting and conquest and problems and battles and everything that goes on. In that time, Obi-Wan is back and forth with the council strategizing. He's called General Kenobi. That's where he gets that title that's used in A New Hope by Leia. Um, and they give, they give Anakin in the comics, in the comics, in uh, the cartoons, kind of a general title too. So he has this sidekick that he goes on missions with, Sokotano. And story, that's, his, that's his Padawan. Yeah, that's really what it is. Gotcha. Even though he really shouldn't have one and they're billing it as a sidekick, it's really like his Padawan. Got it. They have a tight relationship. I won't spoil the cartoons, but there's some stuff that goes on that makes her appearance here interesting. So I'm okay. trying to uh, timelines. Gotcha. But, and uh, then we're, we're also getting from Clone Wars, Bo-Katan. I don't know how significant she is. Significant so, enough where it, it'll that'll probably be an entire episode focus. She okay. May not be a returning thing, but definitely be the focus of an episode. And the last pretty much biggest um, casting is that we're getting, uh, it, it looks like we're getting Boba Fett as well. Yes. Which it's a In season two. Time. Okay. I was, I'm a pro Mandalorian guy i love the show but when they announced it and they were like oh but it's not gonna be boba fett i'm like oh just do it give this man a movie mm-hmm. everybody wants more boba fett and I, here's so he's coming back here's my thing about boba fett yeah and i'll give him his character credit as someone who pretty much strictly only watches the the films and obviously the mandalorian um, so the direct, like the cinematic universe, the real life cinema, cinematic Star Wars universe, no one has done more with less than Boba Fett has. Cause he literally, he's in like barely any of these movies, Correct. but he just looked so cool that everyone loved him. Not giving to it that he gets his butt kicked by luke skywalker and he gets eaten by a monster but climbs out of it but still which is going to make for such a great episode because they have to do some kind of flashback to him crawling out of the sarlacc pit it must be done it just that would be too that's such an opportunity that if they don't use it it's a waste but yeah boba fett you know take away han solo and carbonite uh, he's hanging out with Jabba and he's just part of that cool, like that crew that's, yes. I mean, there's so much there. And then now, you know, with, with uh, Vader turning to him, like of all this scum that he's got on that ship and saying to him specifically, no disintegrations. Like, I know you, man. Mm-hmm. That is what's awesome. Give some props. So, so here's my question for you. This is my random but important thought is – 
just looking at the movies strictly with the movies don't look at you know the outside the books and and all that stuff who did more with less boba fett or darth maul oh who did more with less because i feel like darth maul is basically our generation's boba fett where he's really yeah. not in much, but he was just so cool. And he gets his butt kicked, but he was so cool that everyone like really liked him. And he was like everyone's favorite character from that prequel I, trilogy. I just love because that. of the double saber. It's right. Alone. I love that comparison. And I definitely think probably Darth Maul. Probably Darth Maul. I think so too. I mean, he probably did a... He, probably did a little bit more than than boba did but still like i think i don't know maybe we're biased but i think he had a little bit more impact than than boba fett did i mean they both had big impacts and they both did a lot with very little amount to do that's definitely an argument it's an interesting interesting question comparison right it is i always compare those i don't know why but i always feel like they're equals yeah. just in different it's, it's a shame trilogies that people don't appreciate episode one as much as they should and i i have we won't go into it but i have strong opinions about episode one um he definitely the breakout star and was a highlight but it, a highlight in a film that has several highlights that go on song is all i'll say mm-hmm. So we know who kind of who the the big names are going to be, the big characters are going to be for season two. We kind of have a little bit of an idea of as far as what we want to see from them in general, where do you kind of, what answers are you looking for in season two? Um, I'm looking for uh, a species for Yoda. I'm looking for an answer there. I'm looking for, a Boba Fett crawling out of the Sarlacc pit scene, not just a recounting. And I'm looking for a connection, like a a scene. I'm looking for, I want to use a better word than a scene, but like a, a some kind of vignette of Ahsoka Tano dealing with the Republic you know, or a, a callback to the um, Clone Wars cartoon, some kind of callback. I also hope that they put her in orange and they don't just make it um, uh, Rosario. Oh, I'm sure they will. I'm like, sure I they will. They do it right, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Um, I, I think for me, I'm skeptical that we're going to find much out about baby Yoda's background in season two. I think we may like by the end of it, maybe they are arriving at his planet or something, but I don't think we're going to get much revealed there. Uh, And especially because Giancarlo Esposito did allude to the fact that we're going to find out much more, I think in seasons three and four, he said, uh, in an interview, but I would like to find out more about his background, Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. I'd like to know what the deal is with him. Why does he have the dark saber? Like what, what's going on there? 
I would like to know, like I said earlier, more about Mando's background. Obviously, we have the backstory of the traumatic event that brought him into the Mandalorian universe. But I want to know prior to that, what was going on? I want to know a little bit about maybe his training and his upbringing as a foundling. And I would like to know a little bit more of what was the significance of his original home planet. Why were the Mandalorians there rescuing the people there? Is there any significance to that? Yeah. I, I agree with you on 99 of your points. The, that last one though, there's enough already to forward the story without getting involved in like, you know, his planet has this or has that or like, Oh, of course. I don't need a lot. I don't need a lot. Just like a little, a little snippet, like kind of what they did in this season one, where it's like they showed a couple flashbacks. Right. They maybe the total of the flashbacks for the whole season was like 10 minutes, if that, but throughout the season, it gave you enough where you understood how he got to where he is. Um, so uh, just give me a little, a little bit of that. That's all, that's all I, I'm looking And if they don't, they don't, then maybe it's just not a significant thing, but I'm just curious is all. All right. Well, we have more Mandalorian to look forward to on Friday. It's coming back. We are going to be talking all about episode one of the new season next week in our next episode but right now what we're gonna do is a new segment that we're calling the catch-up yeah because let me tell you streaming might as well be a full-time job (laughs) and sometimes when things come out new to streaming services you don't have the time to watch it right away so we're gonna take a look back to careers get in the way trial of the chicago seven yeah uh, we did miss the, the week it premiered, but we are going to talk about it a little bit right now because it was a really, really good movie and everyone should watch it. I think depending on what's going to go on with the Oscars this year, it's definitely going to get a lot of Oscar buzz. You're going to see nominations, I'm sure, for Best Picture. I'm sure you're going to get screenplay nominations. I'm sure you're going to get acting nominations. Um, and Neil, you just watched it. I watched it when it came out. Neil, you just watched it this past week. What were your thoughts? Uh, so I love it on a couple levels. Real quick about the Oscars. Did they, ch- we have to find out if they changed their rules because the Academy, do you know this? You know what I'm I going believe for? they did change the rules. What were you going to say? I was going to say like, it has to be released for, I think it's like two weeks in theaters or something. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure they released, uh, I, they adjusted their rules and they pushed back the Oscars as well to make it more open um, for other movies, obviously for the ones that got delayed. I don't know what the deal is going to be this year um, because obviously we still don't have movie theaters or, and a lot of things are still being held up. So I don't know what, if there's any real update now that we're, even further into the pandemic with a lot of releases that are being held on to. Definitely. So, I mean, it's a catch up segment, so I I won't talk too long about it. It's an excellent, excellent movie. Um, I'm a history buff. 
I think they got, you know, they took some liberties, but they got the history right. Uh, they definitely got the attitude of the government right. Um, the changeover from the Johnson to the Nixon administration in the, you know, in 68 into the 70s. The uh, Democratic Convention is where this whole thing, the 1968 Democratic Convention is what this centers on. And it's the aftermath of that where there's still, you know, even uh, obviously people that weren't alive during the time still have an image in their minds of, you know, the cops with the Robin's Egg Blue riot helmets uh, marching in the street to put down, you know, the, the riot and the protests and everything outside the convention. What is interesting and important is that there's obviously connections to today uh, without getting too political or too controversial. You know, I think everybody should watch it no matter what side of, of the many positions there are to take today, you should check this out because it demonstrates the dangers of your message getting lost, um, of overzealous uh, implementation of rules that, that don't really need to be uh, that zealously implemented. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, and the actors do such a great job. I think Sasha Baron Cohen is probably one of the underrated performers of our time. And it's his own fault because he makes movies like Borat and, and Bruno and all that. So he does this outlandish stuff. But when you put him in a role playing Abby Hoffman and, and give it the content that this film had and how important the, the, to understand what was going on, he does an excellent job. Eddie Redmayne, fantastic. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I told you I was not a. Um, let me just get his name. I always mispronounce it. Our, the lawyer, Mark Rylance. I was yes. not a Mark Rylance fan. He does a tremendous job. Mm-hmm. Um, John Carroll Lynch, fantastic. Started out as the goofy brother on the Drew Carey show and has now become an excellent excellent character actor and exactly the type of guy you want to put in a movie like this um fantastic not to mention we get a brief appearance uh from michael keaton my favorite yes we do ramsey clark ramsey clark the attorney general who took over after Mm -hmm. um bobby kennedy for the johnson administration and then has to hand it over when he when he leaves hands it over to um John Duman, the actor John Duman. So long story short, for me, fantastic film should be shown uh, to everyone. Um, definitely at a college level too. But the parallels to today, it's it's almost shocking that we're fifty years, almost half a century from when this happened, and it's still happening. Well, I, I the one thing that sh- struck me. And it's a thing I kind of think a lot about because, uh, and again, not getting too political or anything, but just like making observations is a lot of people think to themselves like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. Like what is going on today? Blah, blah, blah. And then you you don't realize all of this happened before. This is nothing new. Like, you know, people acting like riots have never happened, that injustices have never happened, that all this stuff this this is just history repeating itself and it's it's very interesting to see like you say the parallels between 
today and what's happened and and what happened during that movie and that wasn't even a a civil rights protest that was protesting the vietnam war right um so and you could kind of see where the differences are there as well because you get the excellent performance from yaya abdul abdul mateen who's playing uh what was his his name Yaya was playing Bobby Seal. Bobby Seal, who was, was a the eighth person. He was actually not part of the Chicago right. Seven. They just kind of used they him. Threw him yeah. right. They threw him in there. They threw him in there. And it's interesting to see because they were fighting different battles as yeah. well. And it was interesting to see the, the parallel because he kind of says it, and I'm not going to do it justice, but he basically says, you... All, the seven have the privilege to be able to fight for this cause. They are deciding to do it right. where he doesn't have a choice to fight for his cause. He's right. just, he has to do it. Otherwise he can't, him they, and his they, people cannot survive. Right. Very, very interesting. I, I liked the way that they handled it. Obviously he makes an exit prior to the movie finishing and i won't spoil it i mean he doesn't die and it's tough to spoil because it is history um so it all happened for the most part aaron sorkin obviously takes his liberties and you know the end didn't actually happen the way that it did with with the big moment but i mean it's he unbelievable work by aaron sorkin um like you you know you got ready for all this action all these all, all this violence at the um, convention, which happens to a degree, but 90% of that film's in a courtroom and you are just as engaged as you would be watching the action going on that caused it. Yeah, uh, really, really, um, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I thought they did a great job. Um, it was something that I did not know of really prior to um, I, I actually had someone, um, I was telling one of my friends about this movie that they should watch it and they got it confused with, wait, is that the, oh no, that's not the Central Park Five. I was like, no, that's a completely different thing. This is, yeah. this was Vietnam. This was not the same thing. I also want to give a shout out to um, Jorson, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh yeah did a great job as the lawyer uh richard schultz and my boy jeremy strong playing jerry rubin who was really great in this role um he's he's most famous for his role on succession um but he does a really really great job playing jerry rubin and uh gives a little bit of levity to the movie but also uh, really impactful emotionally as well Without a doubt. Um, I w- the last thing I would note is, you know, of the people trying to end the war, the, the fact that this happened at the, the convention that it happened at, it's like, you know, everybody was working for the same cause in different ways from different angles. And to yes. see it explode like this, again, it's, I, I, I think people need to watch this movie with an eye towards what is the mission? How do we accomplish the mission? 
And how can we be certain not to have the, have the cause and mission get lost in the process? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I would like to add on top of it also a thing to watch out for because this is a, a good kind of bubble to be able to watching watch mm. it with this perspective is think uh, think about what people's underlying motivations would be to be doing what they're doing yeah so from, from both sides like even from the- from both sides yeah. like it could put in perspective a little bit more of why someone's doing something for whatever purposes it, there's there's always a trail leading to what people's motivations actually are is this someone trying to you know have justice be brought upon these seven or is it for another reason does it benefit them in another way and watching um, that introductory scene hitting exactly your point is crazy absolutely absolutely um so we would definitely recommend it if you didn't catch up with us um on this we we really enjoyed it um i as far as new stuff that came out this past week i watched the witches do don't don't bother with this one oh man um what now I never saw the original. Okay. So what, can you give me like a quick summary on what the original was? Like what the plot was? From what I gather of the new one, it's the same plot. Like they want to basically eliminate kids and they turn them into mice and this. Okay. Like, you know, and they're, they're witches. They're bad. And they have conventions. So they meet Mm -hmm. and they have their conventions. This kid gets caught up in the middle and there's a few of them that want to break away from the coven and all that. But it was like a fun, uh, really crazy kids movie. But it was back in a time where you could have a kids movie that was still slightly scary, still had some adult content. And that was okay because we weren't raising snowflakes. You were raising human beings. So like, that's what I miss. I want to go back to a time like that. This film, I'm certain, has its moments of like, you know, some facial transformation. They they do. But it's it's like this is for snowflakes, like you said. Yeah, that's what like, I this thought. was very I much like. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't know how the original went, and I, I know you're not going to watch it, and so I'm I'm just going to say it's almost like everything that the the kids do it yeah. works out for them. Yeah, there's no actual challenge. Like that was my big thing with this is there was no actual challenge to the point where even like. Uh, spoilers they get turned into mice right and they're just cool with being mice for the rest of their lives you know literally yeah like they were fine with it the kids were like all excited about it these are problems and i was like what yeah it was weird um and also borat 2 came out yeah i think i'm gonna nominate this for our catch-up movie for our next episode um that we could dive into a little bit um next time because i really enjoyed this movie it i was crying laughing at a lot of it so (laughs) i would like you to watch it so that we could catch up with everyone else um 
How would you say, um, I'm curious, how would you say Anne Hathaway did? I enjoyed Anne Hathaway. She was fine. She was very campy. But I kind of feel like I like Anne Hathaway being very campy. All right. I'm good with that. You know what I mean? Like, I think about, um, was she in Devil Wears Prada? She was. Okay. I feel like she would do a great job in Meryl Streep's role. Okay, yeah. Like, being overly dramatic and that sort of thing, I think those types of characters suit Anne Hathaway very well. And I think Anne Hathaway is a very good actress as well. So she can do much more than that. I know people have issues with her. I, I don't know if it's pers- in, on a, you know, as a person, if Apparently people have problems not. with her, she mi- might not be great. Um, she might not be pleasant. Um, but I think she's a really good actress. So I don't know. I, I think it, it suited her. She was fine. She was probably the best part of the movie because she was just so over the top. Um, but other than that, there's really no reason to, to watch it. It was, it was not good. That's a shame. I felt bad yeah. about that. That's not good. All right, so Borat, subsequent movie film. Great. We'll watch yeah. it next. We'll, we'll talk about it next week. It's, it's, it's great. I, I want to... I would like to dive into it a little bit because I have some thoughts on it and just how it was made and everything that, and again, I haven't seen Borat one. I saw it once. I saw, I haven't seen it in such a long time that I don't even really remember much that happened in it. And if I enjoyed it or not, it was kind of like a blur, but this was very, very funny. And, um, I would imagine I liked this one more than I liked the Borat one. Fair enough. Moving on to our next segment. Yeah. We're going to do a little rolling or trolling. We'll try to make this a somewhat of a speed round. Some speed instant, round. instant rollings or trollings. Got it. And we'll just do a quick little tidbits on why we're going to roll or troll. And, uh, Let's get into it. Probably the biggest bit of news out of last week is that James Bond No Time to Die is being shopped to streaming services like Netflix and Apple. Neil, are you rolling or trolling the potential of No Time to Die not coming out in theaters, but just going direct to a streaming service? I'm rolling with it. Let's get it done. Let's get this. Let's get taillights on the Craigers franchise. Let's get it out to the public. Let them see it. Let them be done with it. Let's find us a new bond. Let's let the healing begin. I'm rolling with it too, only for the fact that if it's gonna come to streaming, I'm very happy that it's not video on demand and that it's being shopped to a service that is already being paid for because I would probably pay a good amount of money to stream this. Like I'm like probably a, an uncomfortable amount of money for others. I yeah. would pay to, to be I'd able watch. to see this movie. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd give him a couple of bucks to see it. Next bit of news. Jared Leto's Joker has joined the cast of justice league on set for reshoots in Zack Snyder's, uh, Justice League cut. 
Are you rolling or trolling with Leto Joker being added into an already controversially bad Justice League movie? I am trolling it because once again, uh, we need to be done with this. We need to let the healing begin. We need to move on to something else. Uh, We need to recast, rewrite, reshoot. We need a new movie. I'm trolling it. I'm trolling it as well. Do you have, does it make you more or less comfortable that it's not really a cut of Snyder's, but it's basically a new movie? Is that better or worse? Better because that movie, the original movie was such a dumpster fire that if they took, you know, if they went out with a super eight camera, an eight millimeter camera and shot it in his backyard, there would be better scenes than what was in the original. How familiar are you with uh, an app called Quibi? I am familiar enough to know they tried to be the next thing and it didn't work. The next streaming thing and it failed miserably. Yes, so Quibi is reportedly shutting down six months after launching its streaming service, which basically gave you television shows in eight minute increments only on your mobile device could you watch this as well rolling or trolling with quibi being shut down who could have guessed that that wouldn't have worked who could have foreseen that showing me eight minutes of a show only on my phone would not have worked um i'm trolling it or or i'm i'm Rolling, rolling with it because yeah that makes Shouldn't a lot uh, here's the other thing it already exists and it's called youtube correct it already exists and there was no reason to pay the same amount you were paying for disney plus yeah. for quibi yeah are you familiar with daniel kaluuya i am not familiar with daniel kaluuya the star of get out Oh, okay. Okay. He has confirmed that he's going to be playing Barney in a live action movie. Rolling or trolling? Daniel Kaluuya's Barney movie. Okay, so I, I, now I regret doing this as a lightning round because I have so many things. I I have to ask a question. So it's, it's, they're making a Barney movie where it's about Barney or it's about like the people that make Barney. I believe it's about Barney. Like it's, and I don't, I don't know much about what the, the plot of this movie is going to be, but I believe it's more of a, um, like a comeback for Barney. I guess it would be. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I appreciate the 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 Barney ness. Um, we don't need this. I'm gonna troll it. I'm gonna troll it. It's unnecessary. We we, we unnecessary. I'm. I think Daniel Kaluuya is like maybe not so much under the radar, like one of the best actors that we've got right now. So I'm gonna roll with it 
for him because I, I just got to see what this is going to be. I just got to know what the heck they're going to do. Um, we're going to end with two news items that I actually think you're going to like. Normally, I put news items in here that I know are going to frustrate you. These yeah. I think you're going to be a fan of. <laughs> right. Willow, Ron Howard's cult yeah. hit dark fantasy adventure movie. Yes. Is confirmed to be getting a sequel series on Disney Plus with Warwick Davis returning to star and Ron Howard returning as the executive producer. Neil, are you rolling or trolling with a Willow sequel television series on Disney Plus? I am most definitely rolling with a willow sequel i think it's excellent i think you talk about underrated um underrated actors warwick davis um who is uh warwick davis is one of our excellent actors of the of the time so he's been in a, a great many things uh, he was wicked in um empire strikes back he, no empire strikes back. in um return of the jedi he played a uh ewok he was the leprechaun which is one of my favorite films it's not like the greatest cinema ever but it was excellent um warwick for those that don't know warwick davis is a is a small small person he's a an actor um and has played characters uh and had his own show as well on uh, hbo where he talked about i think the show was called small world or something like that um where he talks about what it's like to get roles and, and how difficult the business can be um, for actors uh, in general, let alone actors uh, go, trying to go out for parts that he's going out for. So I think he is an excellent actor. I think he's an excellent advocate. I think he's an excellent addition to um, any film. He's a, one of those, I call them cartilage actors, one of those people that just adds something special to whatever he's in. By, by way of just being in it and doing what he's doing. What I'm curious about is, will there be any space for a currently ailing Val Kilmer? So Val Kilmer was the star of that movie. Yes. Um, Mad Mardigan. And he's got, uh, yeah, which he confirmed, he kept it hidden for a while. He's got, he has survived throat cancer. It's affected his speech um, mm -hmm. and his appearance to a degree. But, you know, even so, I think there's a way, like, he, he recently did a cameo in the Kevin Smith movie, uh, Jane Silent Bob Reboot. So it's not like he's out of commission. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to see a place for him. So they didn't put that in the news. They which, did not. Which interests me. Uh, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm on. I'm on for this. I like it. They did, also, let me throw this out there. They did a sequel series to The Dark Crystal. Yes. Um, and it looked like the original which i liked it was ridiculous right that was on netflix that was on netflix we didn't need that uh but, but you enjoyed it i enjoyed it they stayed true to what it was i think ron howard and warwick davis will see that they'll stay true to the original so i'm in i'm rolling yeah the one thing that i kind of missed out on was this era of fantasy movies um like willow like the dark crystal um never-ending story like things like that i wasn't really 
um, into when I was younger, so I'd never really watched it. So I can't really roll or troll with it. I'll roll with it because Warwick Davis, aside from, you know, being in Star Wars, like you said, he was also in the Harry Potter movies playing Professor Flitwick and um, the Gringotts bank teller. He had multiple roles um, in the Harry Potter movies, um, which I love. So I'll, I'll roll with it, I guess. Uh, Maybe I'll watch Willow and, and eventually this series when it comes out. Um, Also correction, his HBO show was life's too short. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Finally, we're going to leave on a bit that I think you're going to love. I'm ready. You've already mentioned him twice now on this podcast. Your boy, Kevin Smith. Smithicles, what do we got? Has confirmed that everybody is coming back for his movie, Twilight of the Mall Rats, the sequel to the original Mall Rats. I'm in. I'm rolling with it. So Mallrats was his follow-up to Clerks. Uh, he's an independent filmmaker, was an independent filmmaker, um, makes the movie Clerks. It hits big in the early 90s, goes to um, Cannes. He becomes a household name, kind of, uh, becomes the sweetheart child of independent filmmakers, follows up with Mallrats, which bombs tremendously, but puts people out there like uh ben affleck um jason london uh shannon doherty who'd go on to 90210 fame um and oh my goodness i'm forgetting her name joey lauren adams i believe uh they would all come back in one form or another in kevin smith movies and become kind of his go-to team for like we're going to make another movie. So let's bring these guys back. Um, that's where it started. Oh, Jason Lee, who's the star. Yes. Of it. And I love Jason Lee. So I'm in on this. I think this is going to be great. He tried to do it before, couldn't get the funding. So then pivoted and made uh, Jane Silent Bob reboot, which has been successful on VOD. And, um, you know, that was released in theaters for a second, I believe while we still had theaters, it's found life on <laughs> right. stream. Um, the thing about Kevin Smith is he works in a time like this because back when it was VHS, back when it was like a movie would come out, it would go into theaters and then it would disappear and, and go to video release, like actual video release. His movies almost always did better finding their audience at home, finding their audience video rentals. So to now have streaming at your fingertips, I think this is a great idea. Um, Even if they do put it in the movies, but it's, he does really well letting his audience come to him, like just finding it, letting, letting his stuff be found. And because now Mallrats has probably the greatest cult status of all his movies. It was the biggest flop. And, you know, I know for me, one of my favorite things, like I'll reach for mall rats probably before I'll reach for clerks. So I'm in. All right. Well, plus he's awesome. I love him. Yes. Yes. We're big Kevin Smith fans Jersey here. Because I, I'm a big fan of him just because he is 
such a big fan of everything else. He's a, that's what he is. He's like a booster. He's, he's an advocate. He's just such a big, he fan. is. He's just a fan of other things. Um, all right. Let's get into suggested for you. Okay. We each suggested each other movies to watch over the week. Neil, you watched the movie us. I watched death becomes her. Yeah. Which do you want to go over first? You tell you decide. I think the last couple of weeks I, I made a decision about where to start. You start. Let's time. let's start with death becomes her because I think we're going to have a much more in-depth discussion about us. Okay. Than we are going to have about death becomes her. So that'll be the, I, I'm interested to hear your reaction to, to us. Okay. Um, so death becomes her. I watched it. It was fine. <laughs> okay. I thought it was fine. Um, it was. Well, give very... everybody that might be tuning in for the first time now, like give them a rundown of cast. Cast. So if you have not seen Death Becomes Her already, um, we have Bruce Willis. We have uh, Meryl Streep. Streep. Very good performance. And we have, why am I blanking on her name? Oh. Uh, uh... Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn. We have Goldie Hawn. And so everyone's basically let loose in this, which I liked. Um, this is also directed by Robert Zemeckis, yes. who it's interesting because we just watched The Witches, which wasn't his best. Um, he is of, of um, Back to the Future fame, Forrest Gump, who framed Roger Rabbit. Um, he, yes, I, I think he, some of the things with his more recent movies, especially, seems like he gets a little bit too caught up in the technological aspect of his films and the special effects and stuff like that. Um, Death Becomes Her is very, uh, at least for the time that it came out, uh special effects focused yeah like look how cool it is that we did this and we did right. this um they did it to pretty good effect i thought meryl streep of course is very streepy does yeah. a great job um bruce willis is fine as as the the nerdy guy but uh it didn't his role didn't work for me that that well and neither did really like this is might actually be the first time I've ever seen a Goldie Hawn movie. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen her in anything, to be honest with you. And yeah, my, my problem with this film is that it's about, um, it, it's a little short of two hours long and we got, about an hour of setup. Yeah. A little slow moving. Yeah. Like it really, nothing really got going until the, the last 40 minutes of this movie where I thought that that's when it was like, Oh, this is the movie. 
Why were they showing me all? It, it was all set up before it. Um, so that's kind of where I struggled with it a little bit. I thought there were some funny moments. There, again, like I thought Meryl Streep did a really good job. Pretty much anything she was doing, I, th- I thought was funny. Um, we can give spoilers. Like the, the two absolutely. are like, tell them the, the crux of the yeah so we'll give you we'll give you the plot which is it, again it's a, it's a little bit convoluted because you have Meryl Streep she's a famous um actress who's kind of and entering the twilight of her career and she's very um very image focused and self-centered in that way um where she is getting older and she feels like she's getting older and starting to look older and then you have Goldie Hawn who for whatever reason is friends with Meryl Streep's character and is supposed to marry Bruce Willis until yet again Meryl Streep steals her her future husband and ends up being the one to marry him and then you fast forward and they're in a now it's a loveless marriage between Meryl Streep and Bruce Willis. Goldie Hawn has, has completely lost it and just wants revenge on Meryl Streep. And then she gets her act together and wants to, you know, there's this whole murder. She wants to get revenge. And then you throw in on top of it, there's this potion that Meryl Streep is introduced to where it will allow her to look younger again and stay young for however long um, so that she drinks. And then, you know, you go through the whole thing where now Goldie Hawn has Bruce Willis in on the murder plot. And then Bruce Willis accidentally murders Meryl Streep, but she can't be murdered because she took the potion. But, She's technically dead, but still living. So now she's a zombie. It's there's uh, there's a lot going on in this movie. And I, I love the irony of you know Meryl Streep in the '90s, her character anyway, being worried about like, oh, I'm getting too old, or I'm, I'm, right, I'm looking haggard and saggy and everything else. Whereas now she is 30 years past that role. And, and just crushing it. Being nominated and winning Oscars. Just crush, absolutely crushing it. So, like, that's nice to look back at. <laughs> I love Bruce Willis with hair. Like, I know it's a crazy thing. And he just stops doing it now for his roles. But, like, putting a toupee on Bruce Willis, giving him a crazy mustache, and making him kind of a mousy figure when he was right in the middle of his diehard fame, I thought it was hysterical. Yeah. Yep. So... So those were, I mean, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, you know, there's, there's some, there's, there's some antics that go on and because she can't die, you know, they, they get injured and they have to like fix it and they end up, you know, Goldie Hawn, it ends up, she had the potion as well. That's why she looks good. And there it's, there's a lot going on. And so, all right. So then what's your final is what up thumbs up or down positive recommendation i so again using my my scientific five-star rating that (laughs) you can always 
follow if you follow me on Letterboxd. Um, I gave this a two out of five stars. What? Two out of five stars. I did not quite like it. Outraged. Outraged. You have no taste. Did not quite like it. I refute your star system. It was just, it was, it was weak is what I, I felt. It was, it was slightly weak. So it got under the halfway threshold. That's another the neutral that threshold. Be a conversation for another day. What we consider to be weak and strong in various things. I think that would make for a good conversation. It would, it would make for a good conversation. I think at, at least for me, my start is just my star rating for the most part usually hinges on, did I enjoy it? Or did I not enjoy it? And this was a little bit of a, a, a slog for me to get, to get through. Again, because there was a lot of setup. There was a lot going on. I was like, okay. Um, I didn't think it was like, like it definitely wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen by far. You know, it, it wasn't like I regretted watching it or anything like that. Or I was actively like not liking it. There were pieces that, you know, were funny and stuff, but yeah. All right. Anyways, those were my thoughts. Let's let's, let's move on to us. Much more important because this may be the one and only horror film ever that I've seen before you have. That's a fact. And that I was able to recommend to you. Very true. I so I'm on board with Jordan Peele. I you know I was a big fan of Get Out, and I compared this movie to Get Out um, in that I this movie was harder for me to buy into than get out was and get, and the whole premise of get out is they're replacing people's brains and like, yes. you know, putting the, the life essence into another person. Well, as far as the big twist, it was harder to buy into. Spoiler alert, spoiler okay. Um, so spoilers of us here. Well, let's start this way. Excellent film, excellent pacing. Uh, all the actors performed wonderfully. Everybody was creepy enough. Everybody was likable enough. You know, you have a family that's going to, uh, you know, basically to the beach community. You can relate to this again, no matter what, uh, what, what group you belong to, race, color, creed, religion. It's just, I'm taking my family on vacation and horrible things happen. So yeah, I'm in. Like I'm in. They go to their. They get. You know, they go to this house. They're in this area. They're going to the boardwalk. They're doing their thing. So you're you settle in. You're with them. You get it. And he draws you in. Mm -hmm. But just like Jordan Peele, there's a message there. So what I believe is this. First, I'll cut to the chase. Excellent film. I would give it Absolutely. three and a half, almost four stars. Not four. I'd give it three, solid three, maybe three and a half. It loses me at the end, which I'll explain. But by now, everybody knows there's carbon copies of the family that show up and entrap them in the house. And they have to kind of get out, for lack of a better phrase, mm -hmm. escape, and then figure out what the issue is that's going on. The carbon copies show up, storm the house, terrify everybody. You realize they are identical versions of these people. And then later on, you realize 
it was all part of a spoilers one two three government conspiracy in these underground facilities to clone people Mm -hmm. in an effort to control them so that they would use the bodies in the basement basically that underground to control the actions and motives of the people above living in america yes all right message control government interference you know uh telling us what we should like what we shouldn't like what we should buy all that kind of stuff i got that message the next thing is the government abandons this when they couldn't have you know when they realized that the you know the clones didn't have souls and they were you know forced to copy the activities of the you know the people above and it was just untenable and there's this whole thing with bunnies where they were using the bunnies as clones at first and then they would rapidly reproduce so that's what all these clones in the basements were surviving on Mm -hmm. all these years like eating the bunnies that was a horrifying thing but it loses me because it's impossible you know so now this person not obviously it's impossible get out was impossible let me use a better word let me use a better word i couldn't not as believable not as believable i couldn't suspend disbelief because you've got people now what if this person travels to idaho on a plane what is happening to the people in the basement we saw all these scenes where you know oh they start dancing and the people in the basement start dancing Oh, right. they won a t-shirt and, and the guy, you know, by throwing the ball and knocking the cans off the thing at the stand on the boardwalk mm-hmm. and they went through those actions in the basement. So it was hard for me to suspend disbelief for that. What I will say is I loved the, uh, the ending, which with lupita's character specifically yeah that was cool so like i i will say i the one thing i do appreciate about jordan peele is that he goes for it yeah that's true but i do think he went a little too far as far as what you're talking about where the movie still would have worked without that just with this happening on a much smaller scale i think would have served the movie better or maybe for whatever you wouldn't have even had to explain why the certain people were being cloned like it didn't have to be a worldwide thing it could have just been with the people that we were you know following along in the movie um but yeah the the twist with lupita's character is that she was actually one of the tethered who escaped yes. and replaced herself with the person she was cloned from. So the original now grows up in the world of the tethered and she gets to go live the life of the person she was cloned from. And that's excellent. But, and the other thing is when they show up and take over the family, the Peter's character starts talking, she's talking all funky I said, what's with this voice? It was very creepy. What's with this voice? And you realize at the, like when, as a girl, she's swapped, you know, the, the right. other as a little girl, mm-hmm. she basically like breaks her larynx. 
and then leaves that I didn't know. I thought it was because she just used she didn't use it at all when because none of them none of them right none of them do, and she's the only one who can talk. But she, you know, how much can she talk down there with people who can't? Well, that's the thing. But when you go to that flashback scene, she wakes up to watch this other girl leave, and I like I thought I was like she was trying to scream or trying to do something and it wasn't coming out. Oh, interesting. I didn't pick up on that. That That's cool. So, um, and that's what I got out of that. The message is about oppression. It's of about, course. you know, you've got yep. these people that are, you know, forgotten about, cast aside, mistreated, and the underlying theme of the film was hands across America. Did you pick up on this? Yes. Because okay. they, they, they showed it and then they do that at the end. All the tethered are holding after they kill their They're counterparts. Literally, literally tethered together. Yes. Hands across and they're holding hands like they're tethered. And you see like they've slaughtered all their counterparts. So give, us a, give us a little history on Hands Across America. Hands Across America was... Um, they were going to, on, on a certain time, a certain day, uh, hold hands. They wanted something like, I think, 50 million people or 40 million people to hold hands from one end of the country to the other as like a, an unbreakable chain to draw attention to various issues, hunger and, and, and oppression, and various other problems that were going on. And shirts were given out. And it was so publicized and so... Um, promoted, but it was a failure and has become kind of a joke. Mm-hmm. Like the mission is good, but it's become kind of a joke now because it was so over the top and so like, this is, you know, Hands Across America, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be great. It's this big 80s thing. And then I think like 14 million of the expected 50 participated. They did not make it across America. It was, you know. So well, was- and then it also becomes a, a empty gesture, right? Well, right. Because so they're, they're they're doing this thing, right. but they're still forgetting about the people that they're trying to help. And that's exactly. kind of the callback with the tethered is like they're be they're they were forgotten about. They were just abandoned, and they were they were trying. The U.S. government was trying something, and they're like, "Ah, forget this." Yeah. And then they just yeah left them. Move to the next thing. Yeah. And so I I really liked it. Like it it is a solid three. And a half. I'm going to give it a solid three and a half. This is a film, if you watch in the dark, will creep you out. Um, a great horror movie. Great for this time of the year. But it, it just loses it because either make it about certain families were chosen to be right. you know, cloned or to be this and that, but it's, it's not sustainable. And the idea that they last a lifetime without being monitored by the U S government and survive in this basement. It's just not, it's not possible. Yeah. I, um, and again, like I could see, you know, the certain families surviving for whatever reason in the basement, like a limited amount, but yeah, I I see your point where it's like across America is kind of crazy. Um, there were two things I did want to discuss in regard to this movie. Uh, the first is Lupita's performance. 
excellent. which I felt, uh, I don't know how you felt. I thought it was excellent. I thought it was so good that it should have been at least Oscar nomination worthy uh, to play. Mm-hmm. If you could have combined the nomination for both of the characters that she has to play for the entire performance that she does right. in the movie. She was incredibly effective as her tethered, but not tethered person. Right. And like, I thought she did a great job too, as just the normal, but just on that performance of her, the, the, um, like her horror counterpart, like her scary killer counterpart, she was unbelievable. I never saw a performance like that out of her. Correct. She was truly creepy. She was really, and you know what, what is like, what is great about it is the creepy person is supposed to be the normal person. Right. Like that's, and, and it also, you know, there's the message of, your surroundings, your environment. She went from having this normal life to being swapped and then became creepy and horrible because she was forced to dwell in this forgotten zone. And the, the creepy, horrible swapper mm-hmm. becomes like a functioning adult and a normal person because she's got all the opportunities and is living in the better zone and everything else. So again, like really filled with interesting messages, really excellent film. And she did, she did an excellent job of that duality playing those roles. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing I wanted to talk about, because we've kind of been talking about um, throughout this Halloween season, we've been talking a lot about like um, the horror movie tropes and, and things of that nature. And, you know, looking at, especially we just watched Halloween. We just discussed Friday the 13th and how you have that theme of, you know, there's these teens who are, you know, hooking up and drinking and stuff. And they're the ones that are getting killed by these killers and stuff like that. I think it's kind of cool how, at least with this one, where Jordan Peele takes that Right. A little bit where instead of it being the teens that are the ones that are killed out first, it's basically it's ignorant white people that get the, that get the boot in his movies, um, which I think was very funny. And that is, that was a really long and crazy scene that he had in, in his film um, was the, the family with, um, oh my gosh, and now I can't believe I'm blanking on the, the actress's name from Invisible Man. I was blanking on that too. Um, but she, uh, I'm, I'm going to figure it out in a second. It's, um, it is. She was oh in gosh. West Wing. She played it's the- Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Um, so her family and, and when their tethered counterparts kill them um, was pretty, pretty wild. And then, of course, the tethered versions of them also get killed on top of it. Yeah. So it's not, and they're the only ones that get killed. Which is kind of a, you know, I don't, I didn't quite get that. But yes, I don't like Elizabeth Moss either as an actress. I, I find her tedious. Um, I did like Invisible Man, but 
I just she doesn't something about her. Even when she was like playing the the child on West Wing, the daughter, I was just like, nah, she's something something's not right. But okay. excellent film, sir. Thank you, thank you. I'm glad that we're uh, we're enjoying the the suggestions. We're enjoying the suggestions. Um, so what do we got this week? Yeah, we. Uh, we I went last as far as the explanation of my films. Yes. I have a choice for you, but I'll go, I'll go last. I'll let you suggest to me first. And my choice can be seen uh, for free streamed on Hulu. Don't have to pay for it. Well, obviously okay. you have Hulu, but you won't have to rent it. It is streamable, fully cool. streamable. Awesome. What is your suggestion? Okay. So, Again, as always, I have my my list of things. Even though us wasn't on my list last last week, but I I pulled it out of thin air and got it done. So, I, again, I'm gonna ask you. Yes. What are you in the mood for? We are in the final week of October. Okay. So I'm gonna finish strong. I'm gonna say, give me either a horror movie or a movie in the vein of death becomes her where it's dark but it's not a horror movie okay okay not such a and thing. i think i have something that fits oh all right in that death becomes her it's not as slapstick kind of campy um, and I don't know if you've seen this. I would be, I would be surprised if you've seen it. Okay. Um, I don't know how you're going to feel about it, Talk to me. but I would like to recommend, and this is also streaming on Hulu. I would like to recommend Parasite. Okay. Have not seen it hear good things yeah well it won best picture yeah so parasite very good it's not it's not horror but it's like weird <laughs> and it's definitely quirky obviously there's subtitles so i know i don't know if you're the biggest fan of subtitles but there are subtitles it is worth it okay. um it's definitely worth it it is a great movie it's um directed by directed by uh bong joon ho bong joon ho okay um who basically does his version of an alfred hitchcock movie interesting um so it's very cool cool twist um really great acting performances um and I think if you can get over the um, the subtitle hurdle, I think it's a movie that you're going to really enjoy. All right. Interesting. I like it. I'm in. Subtitles, get over it. What platform am I streaming it on? It's on Hulu. On Hulu. Okay. Yep. All right. So we have Hulu choices this week. Yes, then. we do. All right. Sir, I'm not going to give you an option this week. That's fine. I'm going to just give you a choice because... Unless you've seen it, which I doubt. Okay. It is a film that uh -huh. everyone should see once. Okay. That everyone should watch yearly at Halloween. Okay. In the month of October. 
It is fun. Ooh. Dark. Okay. It's a musical. Hello. Oh, I like that. And it's got tremendous actors and actresses in it. Okay, wait, is tremendous, like, does it have something to do with trees, or you're just saying that no, word? I just am saying it weird. Okay, it's got it. amazing. People you will recognize, people that still have careers and, like, super amazing careers that you'll be, you'll be stunned wherever in this film. All right. Um, I would like you to watch, and I would like to discuss last, next week. Okay. The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I have seen this. You have seen it. I have seen this movie. Uh, all yeah. right. Yep. You should definitely. It's been a long time. I've only seen it once, and it's been a long time since I've seen it. Oh. But okay. I have seen it already. So I don't know if you want to pivot or if you would like me to watch it again. I don't know. Should we? Let me see if I have my my notes with me should we discuss it next week should i leave it alone and discuss it or should i give you another option well let's see if you have another option if you have another option we can uh, maybe we'll go with that otherwise um you know we could discuss it and i could i could do a, a little bit of a rewatch. well so my other option might be slightly difficult to locate although okay um Although it I'm is, sure I'll find a way. It is a horror film. Okay. But it is as equally ridiculous. Okay. As, uh, or the premise is as equally ridiculous as the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is not a musical. It is intended to be horrifying. It is, in my mind, it is in no way horrifying. Okay. But it is classic. <laughs> And uh, it should be seen. I'm referring to the original Child's Play, which is the Chucky movie. That I've never seen. Okay. That I've never seen. And let me just do a quick. Um, let me just do a quick search to see if it's um, streaming anywhere. Let us find out. Because but that, so while you're searching, I'll do a little bit. So, okay. That film, it's got Chris Sarandon in it, who plays uh, Prince Humperdinck in uh, Princess Bride. Oh, okay. And it's got uh, the mother from Seventh Heaven, who plays the mother of Andy, who gets the good guy doll which becomes Chucky. All right. And the reason it becomes Chucky is he is invested with the soul of an evil serial killer, Charles Lee Ray, um, given that name, uh, uh, kind of an homage to um, Lee Harvey Oswald, given like a three-named killer. But it is voiced by the incomparable, the amazing... Uh, Brad Dorif, who I don't know if you know, but ha is basically known just for this, like being mm -hmm. a voice puppy, has an amazing voice, is incredibly surly. So to hear a child's play doll say the things that Brad Dorif says, okay. in my mind, makes it hilarious. Um, 
I like, I just feel like this would be an amazing movie for you to watch. Okay. I'll, I will, I'll watch this one. I'll watch this one. I think for whatever reason I've seen bits and pieces, bits and pieces of like newer Chucky movies, but I've never seen the original. They rebooted it with Mark Hamill as the voice, not Brad Dourif. Oh, okay. Um, So don't, don't do the reboot. Like you'll know. I'll do, I'll do the original. I'll do the original. The original was made in the eighties. You know, you'll, you'll know right away. All right. That sounds good. Um, You're going to love it. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to be past horror movies. I know. Well, this is the last week. So we're out. Yeah. It'll be good. This will be the, I love your, let me tell you, I'm for the pod, man. For the pod, um, for the pod and our listener, um, diving into subtitles for the pod. I know, I know. Big steps, taking big, big steps. Um, okay, so again, just for next week, we're gonna be watching The Mandalorian. Uh, we'll see if anything new comes up. Maybe we'll uh, watch any anything coming out. But the big premiere next week is really The Mandalorian season two. Uh, we are going to revisit um, in our catch-up Borat 2. Yes. We'll probably have some more news for you in Rolling or Trolling. And we are going to watch our suggested for you movies. We've got Parasite and Child's Play that we're going to talk about. If you guys want to watch along with us, please feel free. You're more than welcome to. Um, and then in the meantime... Please, if you are enjoying the podcast, subscribe, download, review it only if it's a good review. Otherwise, you know, we don't need any criticism. Just nice things, please. We're very sensitive people. And um, you can find us anywhere that you can stream podcasts. That's on Apple, Spotify, uh, Overcast. There's a whole bunch of places. Uh, We are on all of them, including Neil's great website, gluedtothescreen.com. That is glued, the number two, thescreen.com. He's also got some great articles on there as well. Great content for you guys to read and check out. That being said, Neil, what do we got to say to the people? Stream on, y'all.